Uh, Mark chapter 1, starting at verse 21 and going to verse 45. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out, with, came out of him with a shriek. The people were so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching? And with authority? He even gives orders to the impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let's go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I've come. So he traveled through Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and driving out demons. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are welling, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded you for cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the, yet the people still came to him from everywhere. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Chris. Let's take a moment to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this uh, part of Mark's account of Jesus' life. Help us to see more clearly who Jesus is. Uh, would you open our hearts, help us to, to trust him, to listen to him. Uh, would you change us as we hear your word this morning? Amen. We have a problem with authority. Uh, certainly in Australia, we call our Prime Ministers ScoMo and Elbow. Uh, we publish photos like this of them. Uh, we do away with titles and terms of respect. Uh, we're very down on authority. 
Uh, if you're at school, I wonder if you think about your teacher as someone who has authority over you. Uh, or are they more of a friend who you call by your, their first name? If you're a parent, maybe you wish there was a little more authority going on. Uh, but beware, the ethics report came out recently amongst the least, least ethical professions, according to Australians uh, and our perceptions. Uh, you could have one guess. Uh, politicians are right up there. Uh, company directors and executives. Uh, basically, the kind of jobs with lots of authority, right? The ones we think are least ethical. I'm um, sorry, Amy, lawyers were, were up there too. Yep. Uh, I'm sure if they asked about church ministers, we wouldn't have been very high either. Um, on the other hand, the most trusted professions are firefighters and ambulance workers, uh, nurses and GPs are up there too, uh, the kind of professions that are very much associated with service. We're sceptical of authority. We've been burnt by people with power, might be corrupt politicians or greedy corporate executives or abusive priests. We call these leaders toxic because their authority magnifies their sins and they infect the people around them. But it's not the only reason that authority is problematic for us. So many of our social issues are framed as a struggle between individual desires and needs on the one hand and a rigid set of rules or expectations being imposed by the authority on the other hand. Um, I found this headline yesterday. Uh, it says, where do they want us to go? Crown councils crack down on car sleepers at peak of homelessness crisis. Uh, the needs of the homeless versus the authority of the council cracking down. Uh, we see this kind of framing all the time, especially on controversial issues like uh, human sexuality and gender, uh, medical ethics like euthanasia and abortion. Our culture and politics are often framed uh, as a battle for individual rights and freedom uh, in the face of an oppressive authority. And so it's easy to see all authority as oppressive or toxic. And we struggle to recognise, I think, legitimate authority, to submit to it. And when we are in permission, uh, positions of authority, well, we don't really know how to use it. We don't want to be toxic or oppressive. We don't want to use it selfishly. Uh, so maybe we swing the other way. We might abdicate our responsibility, dodge the tough decisions, uh, just focus on pleasing people. And so our insecurity, uh, can you see, can either make us cling to power in, in that kind of authoritarian way with no space for dissent or debate, uh, or we can be so scared of offending others that we, we back off, we bend to their every whim, and, and we kind of lose our integrity in the process. We struggle with authority. And that makes it difficult for us today as we read this passage because authority is exactly what Jesus wants to show us. He wants to show us his authority. Last week we began reading through the Gospel of Mark together. Uh, and this book of the Bible, as Bridget said, is like a biography telling the momentous news of Jesus the Messiah. It, it starts out, do you remember verse 1? It says, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. Mark says he's got big news for us, great news for everyone. He really hypes Jesus up. He reminds us of God's great promises. To, God's going to send a saviour, a king who will rule with peace and justice and restore all that is wrong in the world. 
and now Jesus appears. And these uh, discrete episodes in our passage show us why Jesus is worth the hype. They show us more of who Jesus is. They help us to see him clearly by seeing his authority, the authority of Jesus. So what authority do we see from Jesus? And, and is it actually a good thing? Is he good for those he has authority over? Or is he just another tyrant in a long line of so many others who've used authority to control, to oppress, to coerce? Uh, well, firstly, let's look at what authority Jesus has. In verse 21 and 22, it tells us, uh, they went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Jesus is a, a traveling rabbi, he's a traveling teacher, and so he's invited uh, to speak in this Jewish synagogue. And the people are stunned. It's compelling, it's insightful, it's fresh. He has conviction and clarity. He teaches with authority, they're told. He says, they've never heard this before. They've had lots of teachers come and speak to them, but Jesus is different. There's something about him, he doesn't, maybe he doesn't simply rely on the interpretation of others, now, he brings his own insight and conviction. Perhaps he's charismatic as a speaker. Whatever the case, they find his teaching utterly compelling because he has authority. He's worth listening to. Uh, but all of a sudden, he's interrupted uh, in verse 23. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. If the people were amazed before at Jesus' teaching, this is something else. Not only do Jesus' words have authority when he teaches, they come with genuine power. He can command evil spirits and compel them to leave, to stop oppressing this man. Now, it's easy to get maybe a bit distracted, wondering about the supernatural here. Uh, what are these impure spirits, these evil spirits? Is it just an, an ancient superstition? Are they really mental health conditions that are kind of dressed up in spiritual language because they didn't know any better? Um, and it seems they may well have impacted the person's mental health. But uh, the difference is that the Bible says that in some cases, the problem was not from a physical or psychological source, but from a spiritual one. From the presence of a, an evil spirit or an impure spirit or a demon, different words, same idea, that's inhabiting that person and rendering the person kind of helpless to, in, to, to resist and, and helpless to find joy or peace or rest. But Jesus' words are powerful. His teaching has authority and his authority extends even to this control over evil. Now, the spirit is afraid of him and when he speaks, even it must obey him. 
the crowd at the synagogue witnessed this, they kind of start cluing on to what's going on here. The people are so amazed that they ask each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority? He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. What is this? What is going on? They see power. And we need to remember, they haven't kind of decided to give Jesus authority in their lives necessarily. But his teaching is so compelling, they, they just can't ignore it. His power over evil is utterly compelling. What is this? It's a question they had to wrestle with. It's a question we have to wrestle with. It's one thing to say that Jesus is a good teacher, not bad, worth listening to. But that's not enough for those who saw him in the flesh. They've heard other good teachers. Jesus is different. His authority is compelling. It demands a response. What is this? But before we get to answer that question... Uh, We've moved along. Jesus and his four followers have left the synagogue. Uh, Simon, Andrew, James and John have gone with Jesus to Simon and Andrew's house. Uh, We've moved from the public space and that amazed crowd in the synagogue to the private, quiet space of a home. Yet darkness hangs over this home. Simon's mother-in-law is sick. She's in bed with a fever. Uh, We don't know if it's life-threatening or not, Uh, but undoubtedly it's a source of of embarrassment to have a wildly popular teacher in your home and you can't even get out of bed to, to host. Worse than that, he's brought into your bedroom. But Jesus isn't out to embarrass her. He goes to her, he takes her by the hand and he helps her up. She's healed and she responds with with gratitude. She she serves them and makes them welcome. And then as the sun goes down, uh, the Sabbath day of rest comes to an end at sunset. And so after dark, uh, the people can now walk longer distances because it's no longer the Sabbath. They can carry the sick and they flock to Jesus. Like the paparazzi in front of a celebrity's house, they are crowding around the door hoping for a glimpse, a touch of this man of authority. And Jesus obliges them. Long into the night, he offers healing and freedom to the long-suffering. His one uh, command, his one requirement is that the banished demons may not speak his identity. Without kind of showing us in so many, without telling us in so many words, Mark is showing us by Jesus' deeds that he is a person of authority. Just like something in a book might be explained by the narrator, then when it becomes a movie, they have to kind of show us on the screen without saying it. So Mark is doing that for us. He's showing us that Jesus has power. He has a power and authority to teach, power and authority to heal power and authority over evil, to to banish evil. He cannot be ignored. His fame is spreading. Crowds are flocking to him. 
and perhaps, perhaps for us 21st century types, a little more cynical of authority, Perhaps for us, the warning lights are flashing. We've seen popular preachers before. We've seen people with authority. We've seen charismatic healers. Aren't they mostly frauds? Aren't they just lining their own pockets? Aren't they taking advantage of gullible followers? Aren't they corrupt? So often we see those with power, whether in the church or the state or in business, succumb to greed, to selfishness, to serving their own interests at the expense of others. Is Jesus just like everyone else? Is his authority going to go to his head? Early the next morning, we see something that might surprise us. He's up early to pray. And even though everyone is looking for him, everyone wants his attention and his disciples are telling him, come on, people want you. He makes time away from it all to pray, to refocus on his mission. He didn't come primarily to heal or to do miracles for people. He says, I came to preach. He came with good news. He came to rescue and redeem and he will not be distracted. It's a bit of a rebuke to the disciples actually. They want Jesus to play to the crowds, to grow his popularity, more followers, more likes, more content, Jesus, come on. No, he won't go with that. He kind of rebukes them. And it's a warning to us as well, I think. Jesus says he came to preach. So whatever else we do, we must listen to him. Yet we might want healing from Jesus. We might want his blessing on our lives in some way. We can ask for that. He might do these things for us. But before we come making demands, we must listen to him on his terms. We must hear what he has to say. Listen to to his good news for us or we risk missing the whole point of why he came in the first place. Rather than using Jesus for what we can get from him, we let Jesus set the agenda for us. We, We trust him rather than asking him to serve our agenda. So Jesus has just said, I, uh, I'm here to preach. Let's, let's go around to the villages and preach. And yet, uh, what does he do when he's faced with a desperate need? Verse 40. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now there's lots uh, going on here. Um, For a start, a man with leprosy should never be doing this. He should not be approaching Jesus, a a rabbi. Uh, Remember, leprosy was a particularly feared disease in the ancient world. Um, The word could kind of refer to a range of skin conditions, a bit beyond what we would specifically call leprosy today. And on top of the physical symptoms of leprosy, it was a social and spiritual death sentence. Here are the instructions for someone with leprosy. Uh, This is from Leviticus. Anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of their face and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone, they must live outside the camp. 
Leprosy was a social death sentence. It led to complete exclusion from society. And maybe just before we condemn this as demonising people with leprosy, we just need to reflect a moment on how we reacted to COVID. Mm. But leprosy was not just a, a social death sentence. It was also viewed as a spiritual threat. To have leprosy was to be unclean and therefore you were a spiritual threat to others. Uh, one source uh, of, of kind of teaching at the time even says that if you stood under the same tree as someone with leprosy, uh, then you would become unclean. Leprosy was an impurity, a, a contamination that needed to be expelled. That's how it was viewed. And so this man doesn't just want to be healed. Did you see what he asks Jesus? He wants to be cleansed. He wants to be made whole, physically and socially and spiritually. But Jesus is indignant, we're told. Slightly confusing. Is Jesus indignant at this man for asking him? Is he indignant at the leprosy and the suffering that's in, it's inflicted on this man? Is he indignant at the society that has excluded him and treated him like this? Whatever the cause of Jesus' indignation, he responds with compassion. And if the man is scandalous when he dares to approach Jesus, well, Jesus is far worse. He reaches out his hand and he touches this man with leprosy. This outcast, this man who is contagious and unclean, he touches him. He reaches out and he treats him as a human. It, it might have been years since this man had last been touched by another human. And by doing so, Jesus makes himself unclean. At least that's what the law says would happen. But it's not what actually happens. Jesus is not contaminated by contagious uncleanness. Verse 42 says, Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. This, this man is infected with Jesus' contagious cleanness instead. Jesus' health and wholeness is contagious, more contagious. He cleanses this man and sets him free. He, he tells him to go and offer sacrifices to the priests. They're the, they're the ones who could declare him clean and verify that and allow him to be reintegrated into society uh, and declared spiritually clean. This, this is a complete healing physically and socially and spiritually for this man. Uh, but again, we have that stern instruction from Jesus. Don't tell anyone. Jesus wants to focus on preaching, remember. He, he wants to be able to explain himself on his own terms rather than being swamped by the demands. He doesn't want crowds coming to him just for physical healing. He wants to share even better news with them about the kingdom of God about eternal cleansing and salvation. He wants to offer them deeper spiritual redemption, not just physical healing. Uh, but our friend who had leprosy is too excited. He cannot keep his mouth closed. And instead, he tells everyone he finds. 
suddenly he is popular. He's welcomed back and into society. And as a result, what happens to Jesus? Jesus is isolated. Did you see that? The man with leprosy goes from living on his own outside the town to now being welcomed back and included. In his place, though, Jesus can no longer enter the town. He must stick to the deserted places. Jesus takes his place. Jesus relieves his burden and takes it on himself. Jesus uses his authority over evil not to serve himself, not to lie in his own pockets, not to benefit from others. He uses his authority to bless this man with leprosy and he takes the burden on himself. Jesus is not a toxic leader. He doesn't pollute those around him. He's the exact opposite of a toxic leader. Not because he doesn't have authority. He has far more authority than a a politician or a corporate executive. He's the opposite of a toxic leader because he uses his authority to bring life and health to those around him. He heals them. He he frees them from evil. Most of all, he wants to tell us of the redemption he offers. We heard it last week. He wants to preach to us the good news. Repent. Turn away from your sin and evil. Stop uh, misusing that small sliver of authority that you have and believe the good news. Trust Jesus instead. Receive his authority. Let him give you life. Let him heal you. Let him take your burdens. Let him take your place. He did it for this leper. And if you read on through Mark's gospel, you will see him take your place, take my place, as he is led to the cross. The man with all authority willingly Uh, lays it down, he gives himself up to death. He suffers for your sin, he suffers for my sin. So that we might be healed of what ails us, the, the awful judgment of God. So that we might be welcomed into God's family, that we might be forgiven all our evil. Friends, this is the good news that Jesus brings, that he He preaches. And if we let him take our place, if we trust him, then how will we now use our authority? Whether we are doctors and nurses or politicians or executives or even lawyers and Christian ministers, would we use our authority like Jesus? Could we use our authority not for our own sake, but for the good of others, to to bring healing and hope just like Jesus did to show a different way to understand and to use authority could we use our influence and power to help others to hear this wonderful news that Jesus has taken our place because God's kingdom is here God's king is here with all authority and he's he's reaching out will will we listen will we respond to this great authority.